welcome to another episode of The Big Question presented by Friends of Film, a podcast taking an in-depth look at a specific movie-related question. On this episode, we'll discuss what were our favorite movies of 2017. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man who struggled mightily to put this list together, Josh Straley. If I didn't spend five hours doing my hair this morning, I would have pulled it all out by now. This is so hard. 2017 was so great. It was a great year. <sighs> but uh, hey, everyone, uh, don't forget... You can get all of our latest updates on Facebook and Twitter at Friends and Film. And be sure to check out the rest of our shows um, on Stitcher, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And if you can, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps. Yep. And as it's a list episode, you guys know what that means. We are joined once again by one of our favorite guests and a man who just traveled abroad, Colton Leakty. Woo-woo! <laughs> Welcome back, Colton. It's, uh, it's, I... It's okay to be back. I can't say it's good to be back. Okay. But Ooh, ow. just too much fun. Oh, you know, okay. Just too much fun traveling. Got to come back to work, all that stuff. It's just, it's not the best, but, but hey, it's good at least I get to here. be on this episode, you know? Exactly. That's, that's all. what I was worried about. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an off foot to get you know get started on. <laughs> you really just didn't care for the Friends of Home podcast anymore. He's like, yeah, I'm done. I'm over I it. Left originally. He wanted me to be on an episode, and I just... <laughs> I caught the first plane ticket I could, so. <laughs> hey, don't blame you. Actually, I do. I admire the dedication, though. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so after 10 weeks of 2018, we're finally going to look back at 2017 fully and give our favorite movies of 2017. We're going to do our top 15 lists, and then if we have time, get into honorable mentions. Going around the table here that you guys cannot see because this is a podcast, we're going to go Josh, then Colin, and then me, and then just keep that rotation around. Uh, go 15 to 11, 10 through 6, 5 through 2, and then end at our number 1. Josh, what is your 15 through 11 favorite films of last year? Whew. Okay. Um, this was hard. But number 1, we have my favorite superhero in the 15? world. Number 15? Oh, yes. Number 15, <laughs> the first movie I will be mentioning, uh, is Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh the, the 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 John Watts take on this, planting the dude in college, completely juvenile, um, with this Hughesian like high school atmosphere, was so refreshing and so fun. Um, I mean, like it, letting him face not only villains, but also the perils of high school, uh, and just shrink us back from the grand vision of the MCU was just so delightful and fun. I mean, he's joined by a, a fantastic cast. Um, um, and then, you know, from Marissa Tomei to Donald Glover to Michael Keaton's Vulture uh, as one of the best villains, uh, just terrific. Um, number 11, or number 14, sorry. I'm just all over the place. This one uh, was under the radar. It did, ran a festival circuit, but finally got a release um, on Netflix just before the year ended, and it's super dark times. Um a really low-key movie about uh, it's sort of like uh, Stranger Things runs into um, a dark high school film uh, in a lot of ways. And it's cold, it's dark, um, it has some fantastic cinematography, uh, and there's Donnie Darko vibes everywhere. Uh, and you're just watching high schoolers struggle with uh, an accident and it leads to paranoia and all sorts of um, other teenager-like uh, atmospheres. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, was, it was really good. Interesting, because you don't like Donnie Darko. I don't like Donnie Darko. I think it's 
and it's weird. But and, this worked for you. But this worked for you because the vibes were grounded and there was no um, psychedelic rabbits hopping around causing the space-time <laughs> continuum to break apart. Okay. So uh, that was it, it was a refreshing take on the dark high school drama mm-hmm. that seems to have died off a lot lately. Um, number 13, Lego Batman. The Lego Batman. Uh, this comedy, I think, was grossly, uh, you know, it was ripped off by the Oscars. Um, it's animated. It should have qualified. But Will Arnett as the uh, Batman spoof of Bruce Wayne is hilarious. Michael Sarah's Robin uh, makes you want a Robin Lego movie spinoff origin <laughs> film. Um, and everything about it is just either a meta commentary on a Batman joke that you've seen in other films or uh, it's its own wild thing in so many ways. Uh, and um, it, it was so good. Like from the very get-go, you're laughing and then up until like the very end and it's just a nonstop joyride. So then I'm doing going to 11, right? Yeah, going to 11, yeah. Yeeks. And like this is this is this is the ridiculous thing, okay? Um, number my number twelve is Wonder Woman, and are and arguably one of my favorite. I mean, this is this entire list is my favorite films of the year. Mm-hmm. And what Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot and Chris Pine and everyone who worked on that film did to create the best DC movie to date is phenomenal. Um, Themyscira is a place that you want to visit. Uh, Connie Nelson mm-hmm. um, is phenomenal as um, I don't even know her Queen name. Hippolyta. Queen Hippolyta, and then Robin Wright as Antiope uh, is stellar. And <laughs> Patty Jenkins forms emotional bonds in this movie from you know um, immediately with the scene of young Diana shadow boxing and things like that, mm-hmm. which has always stuck with me. And then. I think I'm speaking for all of us that, you know, if you weren't emotionally, you know, affected by that trench scene of her stepping out and whipping off the cape, like, I don't think you're human. Um, <laughs> Cause it was just that great. Uh, so that's number 12. And then my number 11 is it. The it chapter one, I guess it'll, it'll be informally known Probably. as in the future, but this is the most, this is the best take on a Steven Spielberg or Steven Spielberg, Stephen King novel. Um, Whoa, could you imagine Steven Spielberg directed this movie? Whew. It probably would have turned out very similar to how it did. I would think about it. That's true. Maybe. But then, you know, you'd have like a John Williams score come in and be like, Oh, okay. And then like, you know, your offbeat stuff would uh, take you away. But it, it melded childhood and horror in a way that's just f- incredibly relatable. And you never once think, gee, this is like, I'm scared, but this is, this breaks the mold of what horror movies have been, uh, for the, like the longest time. Mm -hmm. And I'm all about that. Okay. So there we go. I mean, I've, I haven't seen super dark times. I mean, I heard decent things about it, so I can't comment, but like your list so far, Colton, what are you, what do you have at 15 through 11? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm struggling a lot to not put this in the top 10. Actually, I could say the same for all of these here. Um, but 15, I've got Coco. Ooh, wow. um, okay. It's just, it's like so emotionally charged. It's a, it's just a great movie. I don't know what else to say other than that. You mm-hmm. guys just need to definitely check it out. I think it's one of Pixar's best. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to say that because Pixar makes a lot of 
you know, outstanding movies, but it's got to be mentioned with the top there. Um, the music is great. Uh, I think Remember Me was well deserved for winning that uh, best animate or best mm-hmm. song and well animated feature too. Yeah. But yeah, so that's what I got at fifteen. Uh, Fourteen, I went ahead and put the Disaster Artist there. Um, that it was a really funny movie. Um, I just loved like you got to watch the room with it or before you see it because you'll get the most enjoyment out of it. Um, James Franco was fantastic. He's one of the best like acting jobs of the year mm-hmm. I think and yeah he didn't get nominated I mean there were a lot of good ones but yeah to see him not there I think was another snub but yeah definitely a rewatchable movie too um very quotable mm-hmm. I mean just <laughs> even even though it's you know taking off another movie it's yeah. still yeah you know just like just I'm I'm thinking of the first time we watched that uh, just seeing Josh Hutcherson show up on screen <laughs> with that hairstyle was just uh, Even Zach stop laughing that yeah Zach um, Efron and his little short cameo was hilarious <laughs> too the... just like man they did this movie so well um, yeah I would have loved to have seen them like the whole movie acted out with them oh absolutely. that would have been great like yeah the end credits montage with all the scene by scene comparisons was great too so yeah Disaster Artist is there at 14 uh, I'm actually going to go ahead and flip this right on the spot um, but 13 I'm going to go ahead and put Thor Ragnarok hmm. um Probably the funniest Marvel movie. Um, it's so rewatchable. Yeah. I think I've seen it like four times now. Um, three myself. Yeah, but it's just... I think yeah, I'm at three as well. Uh, the director, Watiti, he's just so good, especially with as a Korg, yes. one of the <laughs> best side <laughs> characters so far. Um, just Yeah, it's just the rewatchability of it. Mm-hmm. It's You still laugh every time you see it. Um, yeah, just got... There's great visuals, all that stuff. It introduces some great new characters. You get to see the Hulk like you've never seen him before. Yeah. It's one of his best iterations, I think. So, yeah, Thor Ragnarok's there. Um, and then the movie I just switched it with after thinking about it, because you mentioned it, was It. Yeah. That's number 12 for mm-hmm. me now. Mm-hmm. Same so, placement. Yeah. So, I've this is one of those movies that I, I'm not a horror guy. Um, I guess I get scared easily or whatnot, but I didn't really want to see this coming out. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I was kind of like talked into it, mm-hmm. uh, got dragged to the theater in a manner of speaking. But uh, yeah, walking out of it, it was just had a great time. I wasn't like traumatized by it or anything like that. I mean, it was definitely had its creepy moments. But overall, like uh, something I guess I should have been expecting but wasn't was just the uh, the interplay between the kids in the movie. Yeah, it was just so funny. Um yeah, just so I just so rewatchable too, just like as a comedy and a horror kind of mixed together oh, like yeah. that. Um just I love the way it ended too. Mm-hmm. Um I really excited for the second chapter too, which is I guess all you can ex- hope for. Finn Wolfhard is going to be yeah, like Yeah, he's a, just yeah, he was so good in it. And it had so it reminded me so much of Stranger Things and that's another thing I didn't expect going into it, although I probably yeah. should have, but um yeah, so I got it at 12, uh number 11. I'm going to go ahead and put uh, War for the Planet of the Apes there. Um, just one of the most impressive visual or movies visually in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really appreciated the way it was made. So it's not like a, the title can be a little misleading, but it's like kind of slow paced, but that never really drags the movie down. Yeah. Like the villain Woody Harrelson is so good in this movie too. And just like the... Uh, it's hard. I'm trying to think of like how to like explain this, but like 
there's not really much exposition in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like a lot of stuff you're watching in like real time type thing. It just feels like a really just well-made classic movie that's going to be remembered years from now. And uh, it's a shame it was never recognized by the Academy. It's yeah. a, it is definitely a red herring type film. Like it's yeah. a, it's a character exploration through post-apocalyptic world in the form of monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really all it is. And I think Matt Reeves is a genius for getting that through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so that's your 15 through 11. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to my 15, which is a movie you guys have both already mentioned, that being It. Uh, I literally just switched right before we started recording because I, I was like, I need to get It in there because mm-hmm. it was one of those movies that like you go to like the theater. Again, like Colin, I'm not a horror guy, but this movie's not really a horror movie. Like It's more of a thriller than it is a... I mean, there are certainly jump scare moments and aspects to it, but... It's a coming-of-age story. It's a thriller. It's uh, about overcoming your fears and growing up and kind of taking charge in your own hands. And the, the kid dynamic is excellent. I uh, don't want to echo too many things you guys already mentioned. So uh, Andy Muschietti, great job as director, and he's one of the main reasons I'm excited to see uh, the sequel come out next year. Uh, then at my number 14... It's pretty low, but Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Wow, there are fourteen, and that's not an that's not a you know a slam on the movie. It's just a twenty seventeen was a ridiculously good year, and as much as I enjoyed the movie, it's visually stunning. Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling give great performances. Uh, you know, it's it's a little long in the tooth at certain points. Uh, you know, it's a it's a two hour fifty forty nine minute movie. Uh, <laughs> two thirty-five, I think. I think it's two forty-nine because it's like I've seen people do like a two and then place the zero with an an H for hour and then forty-nine M. Jeez. <laughs> uh, so it's it's a long movie and I mean it's not like I it lost my attention all the time, but there are moments where I was like, okay, this could have been shortened. This could have been uh, this could have picked up a little bit just to pro- propel us forward. And, you know, I, there was, there was an aspect to it the first time I didn't really love, but the second time I watched it, I was like, okay, I'm more on board with it now. So on another rewatch, which I haven't done yet, I could see it, you know, climbing up higher. But as of right now, it is my number 14. Then going to number 13 movie, uh, Josh, you already mentioned as well. We have the same placement, Lego Batman. Yes. It's just, it's hilarious. It mm-hmm. is so funny, uh, literally from the start with all great movies start with a black opening. You're like, that, ah. right? So on the nose, but I love it. And, and serious yeah, music, exactly. <laughs> and then the music comes I mean, in. I mean, yeah, Michael Sarah as Robin, Zach Galifianakis as Joker, uh, Will Arnett as Batman, returning from the Lego or from the uh, the Lego movie. It's just all so well done that it's. It was such an early surprise of last year that to see it coming at only 13 is like early in the year. I was like, there's no way this isn't a top 10 movie, maybe even top five. But then like, you know, the year shakes out as it does. And a movie like coming at number 12, Molly's Game tops it because Molly's Game is a movie that I ended up seeing a second time in theaters. Uh, oh, not, I didn't know that. not out of like, oh, I'm just going to go see it again. Like I was hanging out with Colton and a couple of the friends and we wanted to go see a movie. They hadn't seen Molly's game yet. So we went to go see it again. And like, it just, it, it works so well, even on a rewatch, even, you know, you pick up more of like Sorkin's directing and his style and his pacing, it all works so well. And then when you have Jessica Chastain leaning the whole thing excellently, you're just like, 
this is such a great movie to watch and i love poker so that aspect of it was just already an added bonus so uh, it was a movie that really caught me by surprise that it's coming at 12 for me but uh i i loved every second of it basically i mean there's a couple moments that i would change but for the most part it's a really really well done movie and then at number 11 the first superhero movie on my list spider-man homecoming uh i mean after civil war tom holland cemented himself as arguably the best spider-man and then homecoming really you know maybe helps him win that race because he just he's that perfect embodiment of peter parker and then when you have him paired up next to michael keaton's vulture yeah it's like how do how do we lose like that is it is such a great villain it's one of marvel's best and you know if i still wish there was maybe a little more action in it that was really memorable because i felt like it was still lacking in those sequences but it was such a coming of age character story that was a really pleasant surprise because we never even really thought we would see a Spider-Man movie in the MCU. That I mean, it had to be on my list, and I'm actually surprised it's only 11. But that is my 15 through 11. Josh, you're 10 through 6. Okay. Um, well, topping it off is, well, not topping it off, but anyway, I have Get Out. Um, Jordan Peele's directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Or does yeah. technically... The other one. Oh, his solo debut. I think Keanu. Does that technically count? I don't think he directed yeah, Keanu. Think he directed oh, okay. I think he wrote and starred in it. Yes. But I don't think he directed it. All right, great. Um, Get Out where is, is that, it's a, I mean, this term is thrown around wildly for it, but it's true. It's a genre bending uh, thriller with, you know, um, implications that, uh, you know, for like race and culture and all these things um which are phenomenal but then there's the cast inside of it too um bradley whitford as the uh very you know nervous but like eager to like please eager to please i suppose or um i don't know condescending in a lot of ways uh to daniel kalua who is probably Probably, I think he's probably one of the most best upcoming male actors out mm-hmm. there right now. Um, if you consider Adam Driver established, so Chloe is up and coming, even though the dude's an Oscar nominee, right? Yeah. Yeah, so whatever the case is. And then there's Allison Williams, but then there's also uh, Lakeith Stanfield and Lil Ray Howery, who... Um, Lil Ray Howard, I just, it's so excited for the dude's Uncle Drew movie coming out <laughs> soon uh, because the guy is hilarious and his his whole TSA subplot. Um, but anyway, the the entire story takes you by surprise um, and leaves you kind of like I thought this was going one way, but it then turns out to go a completely different way, and. Uh, it remains probably one of the biggest twists of 2017. Um, number nine, and I hate that I have this solo, but it's Logan. Uh, I was so stoked that it got some Oscar love this year, so rightfully so. Hugh Jackman's last ride as Wolverine, potentially, possibly, we'll see. Yeah. But and then Patrick Stewart, who we know is done as Professor X. Um, those the interplay between those two was heart wrenching, and the catalyst for all of it. Daphne Keene is X-23. Uh, it delivers one of the most raw superhero movies ever. Um, and then there's Boy Holbrook, who's Southern Accent, 
holds up impeccably well. I, I think it's, I mean, he probably doesn't have a natural one, does he? I don't know, but it's so good. And um, also Steve Merchant in there as well. But the story's implications are just so grounded, but real and lasting that uh, I was just blown away by it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then number eight, I have the post. And this kind of caught me off guard wow. when I was putting this together myself. But I really, really enjoyed it. It's Spielberg. It's Streep. It's Hanks. But also more than that, it's Bob Odenkirk. It's Bradley Whitford. It's Sarah Paulson. It's Alison Brie. And scoring this thing is John Williams. I, I mean, and then plus, I mean, I kind of happened to have a, you know, a, an affection for the field of journalism anyway and politics and all that jazz. So maybe that's what's helping prop this up. But Bob Odenkirk, you know, just bumbling his way through, uh, you know, mundane work, but scored by Williams is like, oh, this is like, you know, Indiana Jones, I think, right? <laughs> kind of, maybe, I don't know. Um, but then and what can you say about the interplay between Streep and Hanks? Um, uh, so, so good. Number seven. Yes. Yes. I've got the big sick. I didn't see it when it initially oh. came out. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you finished that sentence. <laughs> I didn't see it, but I heard great things. <laughs> I'm just going to, you know, BS it right here. Um, but when you said see it, it's incredible. I was like, Cooper. Um, I was like, all right, well, I missed it. So it's not a theaters, but then it popped up on Amazon and Kumel Nanjani uh, is the is the best comedic actor right now. Um, but also, the story is so unique and it's true, and that's what makes it so wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, the return of Holly Hunter and Ray Romano to the silver screen uh, is the probably the most astounding thing about mm-hmm. it because I didn't know I would like Ray Romano at all. And I'm like, this. Why is this guy? Why is this guy off TV? Why is he not in more movies? And I know he's coming back, but then also Holly Hunter, um, who is really, I think the, the I think the movie hangs on her performance mm-hmm. as um, Emily's mother, and also just Kumel's story and how you know everything plays out is fantastic. And then number six. This is my stop. Yes. Right. Yep. Okay. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. Um, it's an incredible achievement, technically, directorially, and uh, cinematically. Uh, the, the the man went gorilla as much as you could for a hundred million dollar film. He everything was real. It was raw the interplay between what you heard and felt on screen was incredible. I mean, you haven't seen this movie unless you saw it in IMAX, and Nolan maxed out the capabilities of everyone's theaters. (laughs) And you were, I mean, you were as close to shell-shocked as a movie can make you when you left your heart was racing and all sorts of things like that. People's Apple watches yeah. told them to Someone calm down had a stroke at the theater. Yeah. At one point. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you, uh, with Hans Zimmer and Hoyt's, uh, cinematography, you, uh, 
absolutely um, a mind-blowing project. Okay, so there's your 10 through 6. Colton, what right. do you have? Well, you already discussed my number 10 a little bit, so I'll go into just a tiny little bit, but Molly's Game is my number 10. Uh, I thought it was extremely well-written, extremely well-acted. Just, yeah, like you mentioned, we'd seen it twice, this, or together, whatever, but... Um, yeah, I think Jessica Chastain also a huge snub this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I she was my favorite to win actually. Um, after seeing this one, um, just the script is so like witty and uh, the story like fascinated me about the the based on the true life story. Like I I had to like go and read about this after I didn't read the book, but <laughs> I just like I looked up like I had to know like who was involved in these games mm-hmm. that they didn't mm-hmm. mention and stuff like. Michael Sarah's like CD character. I was, I wanted to know who that was, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, number nine, then I've got I Tanya. Oh yeah. Yeah. That one was actually another, that was a really nice surprise for me. I was excited to see it. It was a Margot Robbie movie, but, um, I didn't realize how funny it was going to be, how great Allison Janney was going to be mm-hmm. as her mom in the, in the movie. Um, just, I loved the way the story was told, how you had different, people like saying their version of the story and then they show two different versions of one thing so you'll get like sebastian stan saying that never happened (laughs) (laughs) and you don't know who to believe because all the characters in the movie are all portrayed as people that you can't trust so you have no idea like who to trust really Mm -hmm. and then at the end of the movie they show actual clips of the (laughs) interviews and you're just like it really was like this and like the the bodyguard guy you know (laughs) i mean it was just so well acted the fact that uh, somebody was actually like that dumb yeah it's like insane just (laughs) yeah i mean it was just a great insightful story and then there's like parts of the movie too where you almost like they make you feel bad about someone and then the next scene you're just like mm-hmm. back to hating them again mm-hmm. it's just like i don't know it it was really well done i thought um number 8 i have logan uh yeah still struggling to say on whether or not it's my favorite x-men movie cuz i still love first class a lot okay um but i can definitely vouch for logan if you want to go with that route mm-hmm. um it was just so gritty like the if we're going to get into spoilers here. Yeah. I mean, Logan's been out for a year. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> you've had your chance. So yeah, Patrick Stewart, the way he goes out is just like, it's so heart wrenching. Like it's, Ugh. it's almost like better how they did it than having like a proper send off to his character. Mm-hmm. Cause I felt like it wasn't like, it was just like, I don't know, just like his reaction to that. Like when he buries him, it was just so real. Yeah. And uh, just so like you felt it like that final speech. He yeah. Gives is, uh, yeah, and then you find out, like, yeah, you just felt all of that. Um, I loved how it kind of felt like an adventure movie, too, in a way. Just, like, them traveling, trying to find this place. Uh, like, little, like, they get, they go, like, the way of, like, showing the small things. Mm-hmm. Like, them going out and meeting that family and eating with them. And then you think it's just, like, oh, it's a cool little moment. But then it just it becomes, like, heart-wrenching because yeah. it just becomes so brutal with the whole family, you know, being just murdered <laughs> and, uh, it's just, uh, it was a, I don't know, kind of a shocker for, and a game changer for superhero movies. I thought, um, so yeah, Logan, number eight, uh, number seven, another movie that just completely floored me. Like I was kind of speechless coming out of the theater of this one was wind river. Oh, um, yeah. it was just so gut wrenchingly real and gritty, mm-hmm. just like Logan. Um, I don't really know much what else to say than that. It just really makes you think coming out of it. 
Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go into that much because <laughs> I have a feeling it'll be talked about still. So, but yeah, Jeremy Renner. I guess I want to say he gives his best uh, yeah. work he's done by far. So f- like even better than like Hurt, Hurt Locker, Locker, which yeah. he was nominated for. So yeah, uh, number six I have Get Out. Uh, another one that was just like a huge surprise early on in the year. Uh, it was just it was like kind of like it, and that it was like a horror comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, really funny at parts. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya just knocks it out of the park. Um, not just like with his dialogue, but like the way he is able to portray like his emotion in the yeah. in certain scenes. It's just <laughs> like. The, the, when he's he starts so good sinking, in it. it's like oh, yeah, the, the instant tears is insane. yeah that um just like his like uneasiness when he's like talking to uh, Georgina or whatever yeah. <laughs> like a housemaid <laughs> that that's like one of the best like close up scenes of the movie you know uh, just like the whole twist to the t- twist of the story it's just like you're just sitting in the theater like with that audience uh, it was like one of the best movie going experiences of the year. I thought mm-hmm. was get out. So yeah, that's yeah. my 10 through six. Okay. Uh, my 10 through six will bring nothing new to the table. All oh, movies really? that have already been mentioned, but starting number 10, this movie Colton just mentioned wind river. Oh. is my number 10. Uh, I mean, Taylor Sheridan has already cemented himself as an accomplished writer, but this one, he's just like, I can do more than just write. I can direct the crap out of a movie that is chilling that is going to make you think that is uh, just viscerally real, yeah. Uh, which is just kind of you know it's a refreshing thing to see in the blockbuster age that we live in now to see a movie that is just super small, super personal, but very real. And when you have Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen giving career best performances, it's uh, pretty insane. Uh, it's 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 just great. Uh, moving on then to my number nine would be a movie that's also mentioned before Pixar's Coco. I think it's one of their best movies. It's the movie that maybe, maybe outside of Toy Story three, the most emotional watching in the theater. Yeah. Just cause that ending is just a gut punch. Uh, the last, you know, 20 minutes is just all the emotions and it's, uh, it's just, it's a, it's not a, I want to say it's a tough watch. But it's definitely tough at moments. Yeah, I'll admit I teared up a little bit. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, especially the final song when he's Miguel singing "Remember Me." I'm just like, <gasps> yeah, don't you dare cry in a theater alone <laughs> to yeah. an animated and movie. It got and remember me got a lot of crap for not being. It's not a great standalone song. No, but if you've seen uh, Coco in context, and it's then insane. you have that, you have Gail, you know, singing along um, up on stage or whatever, and that brings back what you felt at the end of that film. Yeah. Um, with Coco and you know everything, uh, yeah, it, it's so good. It's it, yeah, it really is. And I mean, it's a movie I've still only seen one time, so it, that's why it's my number nine and not maybe a little higher because I haven't gone or rewatched it again. Or and it's not out of a oh, I just don't want to. It's just like I don't, I don't feel like it at this mm-hmm. point. Like it's still the movie is still only a couple months old, so. I'm not like in that mood to rewatch it and then get my heart broken again <laughs> watching it. So like, but it's still, that's not a detriment to the quality of the movie. If anything, it, it praises the movie because it is so, it resonates so well with people, um, of all backgrounds, you know, like, you know, I've, I've lost a grandma in my past, but like, you know, everybody's lost family members, but just to see how this one really makes you feel it. And then also remember them and the overarching message of, don't forget about people you've lost. Even if like you don't believe in 
the you know the Dia de los Muertos or whatever, but like yeah. that that idea that you know you still need to think about people you've lost in your life uh, and cherish their memories, I think, is a really important thing that uh, yeah. we should do more. That I don't think people really do. I mean, at least I, I can speak for myself. The hook, I mean, like the premise of like you know. When you don't disappear from the afterlife unless you're forgotten by yeah. the people like, you know, in this life that that's, that is such a, it's kind of crushing. Yeah. It's crushing. And it just sticks in the forefront of your mind. Of like who, like who do I need to, you know, dig into my heritage for and find <laughs> out. And it's, it, yeah. That the, the, the power of like, you know, memory, I guess. And you know, it's so good. It really is. And then my number eight is wonder woman. Uh, I mean, yeah, Josh, you've already talked about it quite a bit, but I mean, yeah, Patty Jenkins, she she did such a good job directing this Gal Gadot and Chris Pine's chemistry are off the charts. Um, you know, if they had a little bit better of a villain and ending, it mm-hmm. would it would creep up a little higher on this list. But it's still easily the best movie Warner Brothers has put out in the DC EU or whatever you want to call that universe that they're doing currently. Um, I can't wait for a sequel because they're all, they're returning the main two with Chris Pine's return. Eh, whatever you can hear. My thoughts now on the big question we did last week, but I mean, this movie, uh, I mean, you mentioned the no man's land sequence. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it may be the most iconic sequence to come out of 2017. You know, I don't know if you can say that currently, but I think five years from now that, and maybe a sequence from star Wars <laughs> are going to be the two that's like, yeah, you're going to keep talking about those for years to come. Star Wars is probably just more of the, that was so epic. But Wonder Woman, I think, has the emotional, cultural, political impact that's just like, yeah, she's not, no man's going to tell her what to do. She's going to do what she has to do and what she believes she needs to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really going to carry on for years and years and years to come. Um, then my number seven, War for Planet of the Apes. Matt Reeves uh, killed it in this movie, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's such, too soon. Uh, it is too soon. I'm sad about it, but it's another one of those movies that's like, it, it was so real to watch and it was so impactful and emotional and uh, just, I don't know, it, it it made me realize how much I really loved this franchise reboot that they did. Like I knew I already liked uh, Rise and I knew I loved Dawn, but then seeing this one, how it caps it all off, you're just like, man. Yeah. This is one of the best trilogies ever made, and this gave it a really great conclusion uh, in the way I really wanted it to. Yeah, I mean, it's titled War. It would have been a little more epic if they had given <laughs> us a little bit more war, but I understand what they're going for. I think they nailed it in those goals. And then my number six, Logan. There it Hugh is. Jackman's final performance as Wolverine. I mean, unless Marvel Studios gives him a bunch of money to come back for some crazy crossover cameo. But even if that's the case, I don't think it takes away from what he did here. 17 years playing the character, Patrick Stewart, the exact same. Uh, James Mangold really gave them that new take that they hadn't been able to do yet. And they delivered all across the board. Daphne Keene as Laura, as X-23, whatever you want to call her, she is so good that I, I can't wait to see what else she does in her career. And the unsung MVP of this movie, Boyd Holbrook, uh, he is what – everything else around him is excellent, but he is what makes that first hour 20 perfect 
because he is the the exact villain we need. They do go a different direction near the end that I'm not a huge fan of, but doing what they did with this movie, the send-off, the emotion, again, <laughs> it's kind of a theme currently, the emotion that this movie pulls from you in those final moments, it's uh, it's chilling, and it's something you're going to remember, especially if you've been a, a somebody who's followed this franchise and Hugh Jackman's rise as this character over the last 17 years. So that is my 10 through 6. Josh, Give us your five through two. Five through two. Okay. Um, we didn't talk about this on the pod, and I just got to it um, last week, uh, right before the Oscars kicked off. And it's the Florida Project from Sean Baker. And I, I am so, in, I'm so furious at this, still at this moment that this movie was not distributed as widely as it should have been. A24 screwed the pooch. I mean, like, just big time. I, I'm upset, and I understand it probably wouldn't have made money, but I think you should have made the effort. I think you should have stood behind what Baker did because, my gosh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, people are going to talk a big deal about Brooklyn Prince, um, who plays the lead little girl, Monet, and how she takes you through this world on the edges of uh, Orlando, Florida, um, just outside of Disney World. And it's her own little kingdom outside of the Magic Kingdom in a lot of ways. And that that contrast of being in the shadow of, you know, where everyone goes to, you know, have fun, the happiest place on earth. And little Monet is having just as big, just as having, is having just as great of a time in terrible conditions and this, um, low rent motel uh, run by who gives his best performance ever, William Defoe as Bobby, um, who's who's harsh, who knows what he has to do, but at the same time uh, is there to help every one of those families and every one of those kids. And his sincerity um, as he takes care of these people, but also gives them tough love in a lot of ways, and you know the truth about like the world that they're in. And the harsh reality of it uh, is incredibly powerful, and just the perspective that Sean Baker found for this uh, movie, uh, you know, makes you happy, but it breaks your heart at the same time. And uh, you know, um, little Monet doesn't understand like the world that she's in, but she's you know living in it, and it's so it's so good. And I can't believe that it took me uh, six months to get to get it. So if just to question this real quick, if this had come out in August, you yeah. saw it in August, how confident are you that it would still be top five? Or is this not a recency bias, but just the fact that you've seen it so so soon, it still has that impact is so fresh on you? Did that maybe boost it, or are you confident that it would have stayed or landed here still? It's re- That's really hard to say, I think, because yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to, I mean, you I put know. it there for a reason. I don't know. Um, but. I own it now. Um, I've per- I mean, so, and some of these films I don't own yet. And I think that speaks a lot to it mm-hmm. um, because I could have rented this. Yeah. But you just bought it. I went and bought it. Fair enough. Um, after I rented it. Oh, okay. So, wow. So you, uh, du- you double dipped. Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit there. So, I, and it, um, yeah. So, maybe a little bit of recency bias, 
perhaps because i mean if right, I were, i'm not trying to question you no list. that's I'm a really good point perhaps if i w- just watched logan and then like you know a week ago been like All right, yeah definitely put that up there and yeah. scene you know for a project at a festival mm-hmm. um so my number four then yep uh is greta gerwig's ladybird Everyone in this movie um, is kind of someone that you know in a lot of ways, but the relationship between um, Chris, uh, Lady Bird and her mother, played by Laurie uh, Metcalf, is just incredibly relatable. At each other's throats one moment, and then quickly back to, um, you know... <laughs> Just daily life things, you know, like oh, well, we still got to live in the same household, but we're going to be at each other's throats. And I mean, I, I could, I definitely connected with that um, in so many ways. I mean, there's also Timothy Chalamet in there, and you can talk about him, but he's 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 just a he's a side piece there, really. Um, Lucas Hedges uh, as well, though. But if if you couldn't in some way identify with Lady Bird and the multiple aspects from just fitting in at school, um, wanting to do something different than like, you know, the, the region you're in allows for in a lot of ways um, is just super connective. And then um, aspects between like, you know, religion and things like that and formalism um, are all just, are all really great. And I, was, I can't believe it's Greta's first film. Mm-hmm. Like, and, that, and I think that's the incredible part. And then it's just so funny too. Um, I mean, not gut busting hilarious, but every all the comedy in there is just is, uh, incredibly relatable. Yeah. Uh, number three is Baby Driver. I am enthralled with this movie. I wasn't. It wasn't on my radar until Cooper brought it up and said, "Hey, this looks really good." And I'm like, "Okay." And I'm like, "Oh, it's Edgar Wright. I know Scott Pilgrim movie. That that that's a good movie." And that, without even like thinking about Hot Fuzz or End of the World, and this or Shaun of the Dead. And this is just the perfect encapsulation of my relationship with music uh, in any sort of way. Uh, Baby <laughs> scores his own actions. And I, I mean, I do that like all the time. Not, <laughs> not as expertly as what he, um, you know, Edgar and his sound team did for this. Um, but they turned, they, they, they turned what would just have been a regular crime thriller into an hour and 45 minute roughly music i mean music video musical in a lot of ways with me and um lily james and ansel algort are fabulous in their leads the whole the the murders row of um criminals i guess uh john ham jamie fox kevin spacey john berthal um and missing someone else uh isa gonzalez Uh are great and i know the movie is tainted a little bit based off of what we know now but also you get to see that dude get run over <laughs> uh, in one of the most gruesome head exploding ways so i think i think it holds up and then the soundtrack uh each one of those songs um you could put on repeat i think and have some fun with it yeah. Uh, and then the one take at the beginning of the movie just uh, it makes me smile every time I watch it, especially uh, watching Ansel's little trumpet play <laughs> moment in uh, um, Harlem Shake. Not Harlem yeah, Shake, yeah. but it's the Harlem Shuffle. There we go. So, yes, that's that. And then number two, I'm going to just say it and then pass because okay. we're all going to talk about it a little bit later. All right. But it's Star Wars Last Jedi. Okay. Okay. Uh, so number five. 
Yep. Um, I actually have Spider-Man Homecoming at number five. Um, For whatever reason, this just hit all the things I wanted it to and more. Uh, Michael Keaton was even better than I was expecting him to be. Um, One of the twists with his character in the movie, uh, it's just it's one of the best twists of the year. I think it might be Mm -hmm. the best twist. Or no, I'm not going to say that because of the one movie you just mentioned. But (laughs) um, yeah, just. Their dynamic between uh, Michael Keaton and Tom Holland is just so well done, especially that car scene. Um, I think all of the uh, the high school stuff that happens in the movie is like just as enthralling as like an action scene would be. So that's why mm-hmm. the uh, mm-hmm. some of the lack of the memorable action moments didn't really bother me as much. That's fair. Um, yeah. it's funny. The ending is so good, just like with the Aunt May scene. <laughs> um, just the way it ends, just like abruptly like mm-hmm. that, is just perfect. Um, so much fun. Like Captain America has a great cameo. Uh, it has like one of the best uh, end credit scenes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, Iron Man's in it too. So yeah. it's just overall just really, really well done. Uh, my number four is going to be Dunkirk. Ooh, there it is. Yeah. Um, I know you guys are waiting for that. But yeah. um, so Dunkirk isn't even, I wouldn't even call it one of my favorite Nolan movies. I think it's on the lower end. Just be just from a storytelling perspective, um, I would prefer a store a good story like Inception or something, okay. or something like that over like a technical achievement. But that being said, the technical achievement alone puts it up there in my top five at number four. There, um, just rem- remembering going into the theater and seeing it in IMAX was just so, you know, so exciting. Like the the plane dogfights is just so. I love how realistic everything was. Yeah. Um, just I keep saying this, but the cast, great. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a this is a big theme going around with all the movies that we're talking about recently. But the emotional impact I thought was there, even though they don't give too much to the characters. I still felt something at the end there, and then just like that scene at the end where they're sitting on the train, and then just the sound cuts out. Your ears are just like ringing and popping. It's just like <laughs> an experience like no other, you know. So I got him credit for that. Uh, number three, I got Baby Driver. Yes. So uh, the thing with Baby Driver is I think it's quite possibly the most impressive movie of the year. Um, just the way it was edited, everything uh, just syncing together with the music, like you said. Uh, I thought the uh, the last like half of the movie was just so like engaging and uh, intense because like, you didn't know what was going to happen. Um Jamie Foxx was honestly kind of uh, scary at times, just mm-hmm. like because he was just so unpredictable and you didn't know like what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved how the story took that turn at the end there with uh, them trying to escape, just like all the chases in the movie, some of the best chases you've ever seen yeah. in any movie ever. Uh, yeah, the soundtrack, fantastic. Just a great movie. Uh, one of Edgar Wright's best. Um, number two, I've got Blade Runner 2049. Hey. So uh, the thing about this movie is it's just so I think it's a lot like Dunkirk in that it just it just uh, transports you to that world and you feel like you're there. Uh, just the visuals are so well done. Um, yeah, Harrison Ford being back in the role. Um, he does such a great job in this. Ryan Gosling. Um knocks it out of the park again he's on yeah, a hot streak right now mm-hmm. um yeah the the score is my favorite score of the year um 
yeah, the visuals, like I said already, I believe. <laughs> just yeah. I can't I can't like overstate how good it, this movie looked too. And then, like the continuity too. I mean, from like you if yeah, if you that, just said thirty years between these two movies, like they did it on purpose. Yeah, someone would be like, oh yeah, okay, fair enough. That's another thing too. Like you almost like the big question that they an- that they ask at the end of the first Blade Runner. They don't necessarily answer. No, mm-hmm. they give hints to it, but I lo- I loved how they didn't. They left everything still in question. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, there's plenty more I want to say about this movie, but I'll uh, go ahead and end it there. Okay. okay. Uh, so we'll move on to uh, my five through two. Then let's do it. My number five, Star Wars: the Last Jedi. Ooh, wow! Number five. <sighs> it's may I can maybe move it up a spot get it to four okay you want to do that then i'm just no, happy it's please? in your top five. Oh, okay. oh yeah that's the thing it, this it had to be a top five movie because of the pure insanity of the first time i saw it yeah it's like all of the moments that i think you know if they aren't already will eventually be iconic moments in star wars um the way it subverted tropes uh in a lot of ways the performances that it gets out of daisy ridley I think Ryan Johnson swung and he hit six home runs using one baseball. Wow. Um, that's just like how it, it was. It, it's, 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 it's incredible. If it, but Canto bite keeps it down for me instead of getting all the way up there. Uh, you know, on the fourth watch, it didn't bother me as much. So uh, I mean, it's one of those things that I can, yeah. It's of thematic importance. Yeah, I mean, I know you. I know. I mean, I'm sure it's going to come up as somebody's number one here. <laughs> yeah, uh, at the end of my turn. But uh, you know, it's it's a great movie. It's one of, you know, it's in the upper echelon of Star Wars movies of uh, whatever category you want to put it in. It's up there. But I just needed a little bit more to get it into like my top three and. Uh, getting into there almost was a number four Ingrid goes West. It's a movie I've been high on all year long. Uh, It just, I love the story of this movie. I love how relevant it is in a social media heavy world that we live in. I'm as, you know, to blame as anybody for being too, you know, involved in social media and being too consumed by it. And to see kind of what happens if you just lose control and you go just like all in and, get really crazy and like lose yourself in social media and your identity into who your online persona is instead of who you actually are, uh, I think is a really timely story to tell. Plus Elizabeth Olsen and Aubrey Plaza give exceptional performances. You also have uh, Billy Magnuson giving, I think a really good performance as Elizabeth Olsen's brother plus Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son uh, does some really good dramatic stuff here as well. So there's just so many elements to it that it, it, and I saw it in April or something like early in the year, at least the first half. Cause I know it was in my top uh, three, I believe when we did our top 10 yeah. of 2017 so far list, uh, it stuck with me. I've watched it again since then. And it's a movie that when I look at all the rest of the movies, it's still like, yep, it's still up there and it still works for me in a lot of those ways. Number three is a movie that has definitely climbed over time. It still would have been a top 10 movie, but it climbed into its top three of the last couple of months is uh, get out. It's, hey. 
I mean, yeah, Jordan Peele really hit it out of the park here. It's 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 a great movie. Daniel Kaluuya did such a good job as a performer that you know I, I I'd seen him in other smaller roles here and there, but this is like I hadn't seen before. This is my first exposure, I believe, to Allison Williams, and she was great. Her performance in the last like 15 minutes is so great that it's yeah. like kind of insane to like comprehend because she goes from one extreme to the other and then back and forth and it's it's chilling and i, I mean it's obviously very you know timely for the day and age we live in and you know jordan peele wanted to make a political social thriller horror movie whatever you want to call it and he definitely delivered on that front and then moving on to my number two fell off its number one spot the big sick is my number two movie <gasps> what of the year and it's not a slight on that movie i still love it with all of my heart but the number one just continued to get up there and made me i just loved it with more and more time and i'm not saying i don't love big sick as much as i did six months ago but it is just it's a great movie and Camille Nanjiani is incredible yes, in it. Totally. Uh, I was you know, early on the Holly Hunter needs to win an Oscar train for this. And unfortunately she didn't, but she was at least nominated. So uh, can't get too mad about that. Ray Romano's great in it as well. Um, and yeah, the fact that it's based on his true life story and Camille's able to bring that to life. Mm-hmm. And the fact that his story is the perfect way to get around a lot of cliche moments in these types of movies is <laughs> great and i mean it's a movie i've i've watched multiple times i'm going to continue to watch multiple times in the years to come but i just couldn't keep it in my number one spot anymore so there we go okay yeah definitely um if there's a do you have a knock against it or is it just the love for it is no. as bright as what you had okay no no the, the, the love has not has not lessened Gotcha. Just the love for my number one has grown All right. over time. Fair enough. So, uh, Josh, your number one. It's, well, I think you guys know it by now. I haven't mentioned it before, but it's Blade Runner 2049. Um, uh, Denny Villeneuve has been blowing my mind since, I mean, I, my first encounter with his films has been Arrival. And then I retroact. I mean, I saw his Did film. Did you see Prisoners? I hadn't seen Prisoners Damn. before I saw Arrival. But then I went back and I saw it all. And I'm like, this man's cinematic journey is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, from enemies to prisoners. I haven't, I haven't taken the time to get to his short films and other things like that. But the, the man has as meteoric of a rise as you can really get these days in a lot of ways um, in film. But he's done it all with killer quality. No compromising on story or vision, or um, I mean, any other element. And he's been working. With, he's been he's been so lucky to be, to be working with the greatest artists ever. Um, Arrival had Bradford Young as its cinematographer, and it had Johansson Johansson as its scorer. And what what came out was and then, uh, as an as an emotionally powerful movie. And then Denny went to Blade Runner. And he got Harrison Ford, Ryan Gosling, Anna de Armas as Joy. Who oh, she's so good. Why is no one talking about her anymore? I'm sorry I forgot to mention you, Anna de Armas. You're incredible. Yeah, she she really is in that role. And I cannot I cannot believe she hasn't been cast in 50 other things by now. Um, and maybe 
I need to check IMDb because she has been and we haven't covered it yet. But whatever the case is. But then there's also Robin Wright and Sylvia Hoax and Mackenzie Davis, who we talked about um, on the show this week. And then there's Dave Baptista. And, you know, uh, it goes on and on. And then there's, there's nostalgia elements because you're like, oh, welcome back to 2049 or the Blade Runner universe, yeah. the future, future, future Los Angeles. And you get to see Edward James almost and his uh, paper mache creations and all of these things. But um, I think you just talked about it and you said you get transported into that world. And yeah, it, it immediately, not only do you feel like you're there, you want to be there. You want to be a Blade Runner. You want to be Agent K. And all of that, you know, wraps you in and then you start to follow its poetic elements its themes about um what is human and that's not just about the 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 MacGuffin of the film it's also about agent k and ryan gosling himself who i mean any in any other world would have given a oscar caliber performance um and you know and the rage fits that the man throws uh and you know it it sets up elements of our world and then it tears them down and it gives you something else new to look forward to it's not cynical but it's not hopeful either it's reality in the future and it leaves it right there at that but also gives you closure at the same time um and it was the last project that uh johans johansson got to work on before he um i guess passed away so that's also you know that that Retro, I mean, you know, th- that knowing that element also kind of mm-hmm. adds a tinge to it. So he had some work on this film as well. Jared Leto's a great baddie. Uh, he's blind. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh. <laughs> but, but that's why he needs the yeah. cameras. Uh, I picked that up on my on my last rewatch. But um, I could go on and on about this, but check out our review of it. And I think I go really deep into it mm-hmm. there. All right, so Colin, your number one um, is... You guys probably know this by now because I haven't mentioned it yet. But Boss Baby? Star Wars Episode <laughs> no. Eight, Yes. The Last Jedi. Uh, man, I have not felt that good coming out of a movie in, since probably Interstellar. It was just so mind-blowing. Um, I'm going to get into spoilers a little bit here. Okay, spoiler alert for yeah. Last Jedi. So just... Um, I should probably leave the room. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> but right from the get-go, you get... Princess Leia just getting blown out of the ship and you're just like what is what is happening right now um then she uses the force like a second later and you're just like losing your mind and then <laughs> I mean okay I I won't get too much into it like all the spoilers but you know just Luke scene at the end just so yeah. epic yeah um I just wanted to lose it in the theater uh the throne room yeah the okay Snoke <laughs> the best my favorite scene of all time just because of the Ever. way, yeah. Just I've thought about it a lot. Just because of the way it made me feel, uh, just like the shock that came from it, I could not believe what I was watching, and it was just so epic and awesome. Just the the slow mo there for like mm-hmm. just a tiny second, like after she catches the lightsaber, yeah. Yeah. it was just so, oh man, so epic, and uh, yeah, that scene alone. Uh, people talk about it being one of the best Star Wars scenes of all time. You're um, saying it's the best. Scene I'm of thinking all time. I, it's my personally my one of my favorite scenes of all time. Probably my favorite at this point. I'd have to. I've thought about it a lot, but I mean, there might be another one. But at the time being, I can't think of another one right now. Scenes all time. Yes. Of any any movie. Anything any movie. On film. All right. Okay. Cool. 
I'm talking like just no, I, the I sense, I the sense of shock that it gave me. Yeah. Like no other like twist in the movie has like sent a jolt through mm-hmm. me. Like mm-hmm. that made me feel that way where I was just, I like jaw dropping. Yeah. It was insane. And, um, to all the people out there that don't like this movie, I seriously don't understand what's going on there. I mean, like, like, yeah. I mean, you have your opinions, but I, yeah, I just don't get it. We, we won't get into that cause no. we could go on forever, but yeah, that's my number one. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Expectations subverting. As yeah. Well, I mean, really it was, was, I, my expectations were so high for this movie and it delivered on all fronts and then some, um, if I had to complain, I would say Canto Bite like you, uh, that being said, the more you rewatch it, mm-hmm. you sent like it has more of a purpose to the story because um, of the themes that are present within like Rose and Finn's journey. And then also just the outcome of it with the ships getting blown up because of mm-hmm. their collaboration with Benicio del Toro's character. Because they failed. Yeah, because yeah. they failed and they could have avoided all of that. You know, it, it, it's just like mm-hmm. it just becomes like really dark there, like the way. Yeah. They tie that in. So I think it has a purpose. Um, it could have definitely been shortened. Like we didn't need to have like that big long chase scene with the horse things. Yeah. But <laughs> farriers. Um yeah. I, I mean like yeah, just other than that, it just met all expectations and exceeded them. Okay. So that's brings us to my number one. Josh, you're stumped what this will be. Uh, you haven't said Baby Driver yet, right? That's correct. Yeah, that's what that's it is? That's my number it. one. That's yes. It. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, it topped Big Sick just because it's just such a good movie mm-hmm. that, I mean, the first time I watched it, I knew I loved the movie. The more I've rewatched it, I just continue to love it even more. Um, yeah, the opening car sequence is great. I mean, I can't listen to bell bottoms and not do the top my head thing that it's all good does in the beginning. Cause it's just like, it's in my DNA at this point. And it's just, it's such a fun ride. Uh, everything about it works so well. I mean, we got, we get John Bernthal in there for a little bit. John Ham's great in it. Isa Gonzalez, I think's really good. And yeah, I mean, Jamie Fox, uh, one of one of his best roles recently. I mean, Django obviously is up there as well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is just you know, it's 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 great. And I mean, the one shot that opens the movie, uh, I think Colin, you called it possibly the most impressive. Oh yeah, tech- uh, yeah technically like movie wise, it's with the yeah, and the I way would the sound and. Yes. What they would, do on screen yeah, mixes right. like the bullets mm-hmm. matching up with the music. Yeah. It's crazy. And like that's just like it's those little details that it's like mm-hmm. man, you catch like, it on like repeat yeah. viewing And like too. you know like you know listening and reading, you know, Edgar Wright's thoughts on this movie and how long it took him and how he planned this for so many years, storyboarding every single scene to make sure that like it, everything they did matched on beat is just like the level of planning and uh, for you know, thinking ahead that goes into something like this is something that I can't, I could never even dream of doing something like this. I would ever have that thought in my head, and Edgar Wright did it, and he did it so brilliantly that it's like, and he wasn't even nominated. He wasn't nominated. We need to like, we should be able to like pitch certain people to the <laughs> Academy so they can like hear this because they yeah, like, how do you not nominate him? I mean, this? I was glad. I mean, it won. 
what it it didn't win anything. Didn't win anything. Which again, terrible. Anything I thought it, I thought it would sing. split with Dunkirk it at the got Oscars. Nominated. Yeah, it got nominated for best sound editing and sound mixing, and I think it got best overall editing as well, which I was happy with. Mm-hmm. And I, yes. it should have won that. It was. I mean. I don't remember who won, but who Lee Smith for Dunkirk, Dunkirk won. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's a well-edited movie, but the the intricacies that go into Baby Driver editing it with the with the music is something I haven't seen before and ever. Yeah, ever, and I don't think we'll ever see something like it that's done as well as what Wright did. Now, there there are certainly going to be copycats that try to repeat this. Yeah. And, you know, if they do a sequel, they'll probably try to do something similar. But I don't know how you can do it as well or even better than what they already did now. So it's just like the more I've watched this movie, the more I've thought about it, the more I've talked about it with other people or heard other people's thoughts on it. It just rose up the list. Not a bunch because it, it was already at my number two, I think. So it's <laughs> yes. not like a huge leap. But it just... The Big Sick, while I love it, Baby Driver is more impressive mm-hmm. and I think just a little bit of a better overall movie. So it had to be yeah. my favorite movie of last year. Yeah, it definitely got – it was – I mean, I even texted this to you after, after the Oscars. But it Nolan's seriousness of Dunkirk played a bias role. And, you know, I mean, like I said, it was definitely maximizing the experience. But Baby Driver – seriously was something could have been just something mundane that we never we watched and never talked about again mm-hmm. or maybe said oh it's one of edgar's three best films but when you pair it with the, when you smash it and combine everything and how they work went to work on it um it's it is absolutely crazy that it didn't win a single editing nomination even just give give it sound seriously yeah. let let dunkirk have you know um mixing or uh, editing because fine but sound mixing i mean how they paired everything with the frames is uh, i wouldn't want to do it. that sounds like way no. more tedious work than i'm willing to put it's, in it's insane so uh that is the end of our top or our 15 favorite movies of last year just to kind of we're not going to have time to do the full rank it how would it be but just based on the points we uh, i tallied baby driver would be number one with seven points because it was all in our top three. Star Wars coming at eight or coming at second. Uh, then it'd be Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Get Out, and Logan running out the top five with Big Sick, Dunkirk, Spider Homecoming, Wind River, and then a tie between It and Wolf of Planet of the Apes for the final spot in the top ten. Um, so lots of uh, good movies last year. Lots of great movies, as evident by this list. I mean, we picked twenty three different movies total a lot of similarities in terms of kind of our upper echelon movies but there's definitely that bottom of the list can definitely be changed and you know i mean we'll do some quick audible mentions here each give out a couple just to kind of see what else missed our list i mean you know now but other ones we were considering uh disaster artist for me just missed out i tanya missed out just barely um you know stronger thor ragnarok girls trip colossal split jumanji welcome to the jungle are all movies that are exceptional that I either own or will own and watch many more times in the years to come. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll eventually push out it or some other movie and get into that top 15, but not today. Yeah. 
Uh, for me, honorable mentions. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've got Free Fire. I thought it was yeah. is incredibly well staged. It's it's super dry witted, but great. Um, Murder on the Orient Express, Kenneth Branagh's Murder's Row of great cast and whimsical fun. Uh, make it a, a must see, I think. And then also on a lower key note, Zookeeper's Wife with Jessica Chastain. Um, it's it's a dredge, but there's a lot of cute animals in it <laughs> and tiger cubs. Uh, so. I thought it was enjoyable. Colin, you got uh, I got mentions? three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I really struggled to not put this on my list because the more I've only seen it once, but the more I think about it, the more I like it. Um, the ending also works better the more I think about it too. Um, uh, John Wick Chapter Two, yeah, uh, just as good as the first one in my opinion. Wonder Woman really struggled to get that on there. Uh, Lego Batman, like you guys talked about, It Comes at Night was mm. highly underrated. I thought. Hmm. Um, that was great. Uh, and I want to say split and yeah, I mean, and I do want to say also, I, I wouldn't call this an honorable mention necessarily the movie as a whole, but Roman J Israel Esquire, Denzel Washington's performance in that movie is more of what the honorable mention is because I think that's one of his best works so far, yeah. but the movie itself is like, it's okay. It's just not, mm-hmm. it doesn't match his performance. His performance yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So hope you guys enjoyed that. Hungry uh, Goes ex- West, too. I have that on there. Oh, there oh you go. saw it? Yeah, it was good. Uh, so, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this extended edition of The Big Question. I know it's a little bit longer than our typical ones in the past, but a lot of great movies last year. We wanted to get as many in as we could here. Um, before we sign off, as we mentioned on the main show, we're going to be reviewing Tomb Raider next week and then going to be back with another big question. Haven't picked a topic yet, but uh, so if you have any suggestions let us know and we may pick your suggestion as the next big question that we'll discuss if you enjoy this episode please subscribe should retweet and more plus head right to give us a five-star view with comments and be sure to tell us your thoughts and give us your top 15 or just even your favorite movie of the year you don't have to give all 15 but just give us your favorite movies of the year and you can share those with us at friends and film on twitter and you can follow me personally on twitter at movie cooper and coops underscore hoops and you can get at me josh or just joshua ryan if you want to hear some nonsense you can follow me at believe in blue 88 thanks again for doing to the friends of film podcast josh bell bottoms bell bottoms <laughs> bell Colton. bottoms any bell final bottoms. words bell bottoms. i'm trying to think of another song from baby driver uh, but uh yeah uh okay. no just watch all the movies we mentioned yeah you know? all of them you won't be disappointed the day you hear this watch all 23 movies we talked about and more and then obviously go see tomb raider and subscribe to the podcast you guys can be back for future episodes of friends of film thanks for tuning in to this episode see you later